Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Common Sense Podcast, a provocative and informative weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, Oscar W. Richardson, Jr. Did you know that we as humans need to take personal inventory of ourselves on a regular basis? Doing some soul searching is not only good for the mind, but it lifts the heart and re-engages the body. On today's podcast, I will be imparting some common sense knowledge and challenging you to be the best you that you can be. So like us and subscribe and get ready to be edified as we join today's message. If there ever was a time we need to pause, take a deep breath, and look into the mirror and ask ourselves, what is happening to our nation? It's now. The nation is so divided and polarized, it could very well be that we're on the brink of another civil war. On the podcast today, I will take a look at the state of the union of the country. Have we as a nation and as a people become domesticated? This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Are these the outward signs of a people who have embraced and become domesticated? Domestication has been around since the beginning of civilization. Domestication first started with sheep between 11,000 and 9,000 BC in Southwest Asia. Goats followed afterwards around 8,000 BC. Both animals were used for their meat, for milk, for clothes, coats, etc. Even though this process has been around for a long period of times, uh, for a long period of time, most people haven't heard of it. When domestication was initially introduced, it was used on animals and plants to help sustain life and make food more accessible and available for human consumption. Humans no longer had to wander for long periods of time to hunt animals and gather plants for food supplies. Domestication in plants and animals happened through selective breeding and through the process uh, and through this process, fewer people could provide more food for more people. Animals and plants that exhibited desirable traits, necessary traits for the process were selected to be bred and used to sustain life for future generations. So initially, domestication was a great thing for civilization. But as with anything, when man puts his hands on it, he can subvert it and make it into something that God or that humanity never intended for it to be. Later, researchers also found in their studies that not only plants and animals were capable of being domesticated, humans are also capable of being domesticated, and even more so, humans are 
capable of being self-domesticated because of anatomical, cognitive, and behavioral characteristics. Regrettably, ever since this process has been introduced to society, humans in particular have suffered greatly because of it. Now, if you want more information on uh, this thought process, uh, the science journal called PLOS One, P-L-O-S, can give you some more information there. If you want to look at Science Advances by Richard Rangham, um, you can get it from that article as well. But my purpose for, you know, going down this uh, train of thought, uh, this line of information, is because I think it's something that we as a people must explore and we must look into. Domestication has graduated and it has gone in a direction that is completely contrary to what we as a people uh, needed to go. My main purpose for this podcast is to ask the question, have we as a people become domesticated? Domestication can be viewed in many ways. So it's our intent to shed some light on how it is being used in our society, as well as to shine some light on the side effects of domestication. About 10 years ago, I was in a particular city. I'm not going to call the name of it, but I was in a particular city at a zoo. And I'll never forget what happened to me. Uh, My grandkids happened to be with me at that uh, outing. And uh, we were walking around the zoo and they were running from one enclosure to another, just looking at all the animals. And then I heard my oldest grandson, Ivan. He called me. He said, Papa, Papa, come quick, come quick. And I said, what's wrong? He said, I want you to see the king of all the beasts, the king of all the beasts. I want you to see it. The lion, the king of all the beasts. And so I said, all right, let's let's go check him out. And so when I got to the cage enclosure where he was at, I saw something that appeared to be a lion. It was old and tired looking, mangy, uh, seemed to be undernourished. You can see his ribs as he was laying there. And and he seemed to be panting for uh, more air, for more breath. You know, it seemed like he was struggling breathing. And, And I was looking at the area that he was laying in also, and it had bones that was there, and then it had bones with a lot of meat on it still, uh, in the same vicinity. And I said to myself, what in the world is this? And as I looked closer at the lion, I I looked into his eyes. And as I looked into his eyes, it seemed like nobody was there. It seemed like, you know, they were just dark and lifeless. It just seemed like, you know, he was there. It just seemed like he was, he seemed like he wasn't there. I'll say it like that. He was a shell of himself. My imagination was this strong, robust, aggressive animal. But when I looked at him, I saw none of those things. And as we were standing at the cage initially, you know, five or six of us, uh, the lion never moved. He just sat there and looked. But, But I noticed something. When the crowd got to around 20, 25 people, he got up. Just like on cue, he got up. And made a circle around the lion enclosure so people could see it. And after he made his one round around the lion enclosure, he went back to where he was 
and he laid down. Something didn't seem right about that. The lion seemed as if his will to be a lion had been broken, but his will to be an entertainer, he had succumbed to it. None of his actions seemed authentic. His whole routine seemed to be planned or choreographed. That kind of shook me. And it bothered me all day and even well into the night. After everyone had left and had gone to bed, uh, they'd gone back to their hotels and gone to bed, I could hear a thought, a cry, a sigh. I could, I could hear a message in my mind and in my heart asking me the question, have you become domesticated like that lion? Have you too given up? Has society, the culture, the trainers, have they broken your will and your resolve just like they did that lion? Have you thrown in the towel also and said within yourself, if you can't beat them, just join them? That night I did some soul searching and I took personal inventory of my life and I asked myself, is this how you want to live with other people pulling the strings? I asked God Almighty to help me to not become a player or a victim of the culture and lose my identity. I didn't want to be a hypocrite or a liar, or a mindless, conquered, subservient, housebroken pet for the culture of society. I didn't want to take the blue pill and become domesticated. I wanted to live. That night I decided I didn't want to become like that line and have my will broken and my existence compromised from someone else's pleasure. I may have fallen down. I may have missed the mark. But I decided within myself that I'm not giving up. I'm more than just a captured, compromised creature or an experiment for the latest fad or invention. I'm more than just an it. I'm an am. I am somebody. I'm alive for a reason. I was created for purpose. And I will not be controlled by people, unproven theories, undefined emotions or cravings. I will wait on the Lord and be of good courage and respond to life as he leads me and guides me. I will not be a pawn. I have made up my mind that I am going to live out my created and creative purpose. I will be the salt that has not lost his savior or his savor. Hear me and hear me well. Domestication is now actively evident in virtually everything we do, from advertisement and commercials to propaganda reports published by extremist groups. Even elected officials who use it, they use domestication to push false narratives and to get votes or to try to sway opinions. This is a very subtle yet dangerous tool designed to retrain or reframe our way of thinking. The act of slowly and methodically bombarding a person's mind over and over again intentionally to deceive, swear, control is not only wrong, it's shameful.
Domestication is something that we must take a look at. Domestication is not something that we should play with. Domestication is a tool that people are using to try to make us become servants unto their will and bow to their desires. Our society should be careful. Why? Because domestication is yet another false narrative designed to control the mind to believe a lie instead of the truth. Now, the word domestication means to convert or tame through selective or generational breeding to live in close proximity with human beings as a pet or work animal. Domestication usually creates a dependency so that the animal loses its ability or desire to live in the wild without human intervention. Now, domestication is something, and I'm going to give you these, these definitions because I, I want you to look deeper into what it is that I'm talking about. This is just not a word. This is a tool that's being used against us. The word domestication also means to train or to irritate an animal to the point where it adapts life in a human environment and becomes of use to humans. Domestication also means, and this is one that I think you need to pay special attention to, domestication means the breaking of the will or created purpose of a wild animal or its existence to accommodate man's pleasure or servitude. The breaking of the will or created purpose of a wild animal or its existence to accommodate man's pleasure or servitude. This thing wants to control animals. And we've also seen that it's not only being used against animals, but it's also being used against humans or used to control humans. And it wants it to be used in a way that it accommodates man's pleasure. Or his servitude. Now we're going to get into something in a few minutes. So I want you to remember that train of thought. Because there are things that the, the, that uh, this mindset, this spirit uses um, to, to control people. To get them to become a victim of this, uh, of this form of, uh, of bondage. When someone or something succumbs to domestication... It loses its ability to fight or resist, and the light of the soul found in the eyes goes out. That's why I was telling you, domestication is dangerous. When someone or something succumbs to domestication, it loses its ability to fight or resist, and the light of the soul in the eyes goes out. What domestication boils down to is an attempt to overthrow a person's mind, body and soul, the brainwashing or stealing of an individual's creativity and purpose. You ever notice how some people will believe a lie and turn their back on the truth? This is one of the ways it happens. The domestication boils down to us. It uh, boils down uh, is an Attempt to overthrow a person's mind, body, and soul, the brainwashing or stealing of an individual's creativity or purpose. It also is 
an orchestrated hostile takeover of the mind, body, and soul of a human or animal for control, personal satisfaction, or personal gratification. And so once again, I ask you, have you been domesticated? I'll go even further than that. Do you even know if you've been domesticated? Now, I'm going to make this even plainer. Another name for domestication is housebroken. Are you safe enough to keep in the house without making a mess? Hmm. Another name for domestication is subjugation or subjugate, to bring under complete control or subjection, to conquer or master, to make submissive, subservient, or to enslave. Are you so enslaved to that job that even if your boss tells you to do something wrong, you won't blink. You'll just go right on and do it. A lot of our jobs have domesticated us because we're afraid of losing that money. And so you do whatever boss tells you to do. He's tamed you. He's broken your will. Domestication. Also, a plain word for domestication is taming or to tame, to make submissive, to change from wild or savage state, to make docile. And some of us are just like that. I don't mean no harm, but I remember how brutal President Trump was with, with one of our senators out of Texas, Cruz. And he began to talk about his wife. And then a matter of months later, President Trump needed his endorsement and he gave it to him. It's amazing how he seemed to be so angry and so upset about the things that President Trump was saying. Even when President Trump made the statement that his father may have been involved in JFK's murder. But the power that President Trump exhibited, tamed him, broke his will, neutralized him to the point where he relinquished control and submitted to the will of President Trump and endorsed him. Another name for domestication is to break, to neutralize, to control, to make an individual relinquish control of their own mind, body, and soul willingly. What about you? I gave you the example about President Trump and Ted Cruz, but what about you? Have you taken personal inventory of your life? Do you know what's working behind the scenes in your life? What motivates you? What pushes you? What causes you to do what you do? Are you in control? Have you asked yourself, has the culture and society that we're living in today, has it done to you what we've collectively done to animals and plants? Hmm. Has the culture, the system, society broken your will, watered down your convictions, told you that your values are too lofty, abandoned them, or said things to you like this, common sense is overrated if the masses is not doing it. If the masses are not doing it, if the masses are not doing it, it must not be right. Has the culture, has the denomination have so much control in your life 
that it can literally tell you what to do and you do it without even thinking. You can't let anything have that much control in your life other than God. A man, a woman, a job, a religion, you can't let anything subvert your mindset to the point where you become subservient unto it. So I ask you that question again. What about you? Have you taken personal inventory of your life? Who or what is making the calls in your life? Now, before I go any further, there are seven things used to domesticate people. And this is from my point of view. This is my perspective. There are seven things used to domesticate people. Number one is the news, TV, and our social media. You'd be amazed how strong these entities are. The news found on TV or on social media. They, they, they formulate our convictions and our values if we're not careful. Politics. There are two things that you shouldn't talk about with people, so folks say. When they say politics and religion, you never talk about that because it's, it's an accident waiting to happen. It's going to cause folks to disagree and get angry with one another. So what? I'm not going to let anything have that kind of control in my life. Right is right and wrong is wrong. No matter if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green Party, whatever. And that's the mindset that we got to have. But we have come to the point now well, we don't want to offend anybody yet. And we want to be nice to everybody yet. And everybody has a point of view. Absolutely, they do. Doesn't mean that it's right, though. And it does not mean that you need to succumb to it or follow it or accept it. Seven things that, that are used to domesticate people. The news found on TV or social media, politics. Number three, advertisements and commercials. You would be amazed how much power advertisement has and commercials they can run an ad on tv or you can hear it on the radio or you can see it on a billboard and you'll go out and buy it seven things used to domesticate people number four food or alcohol you take somebody's food or their alcohol away from some of them they will go a plum they will act a plum fool <laughs> excuse the expression Food and alcohol can be used to control, tame people, break their will. It's a tool that's used to domesticate people, food and alcohol. Number five, um, next point, entertainment, sports. You take some folks' sports or entertainment away from them, and they will fight you. They will go after you. They will defriend you. Another thing used to domesticate people, the mind. People will play games with your mind. And so they'll, they'll, they'll try and get you through titles and they'll try and get you through egos. They play these subliminal games with you. And so you can domesticate people by fooling with their mind, fooling with their egos. The reverend doctor, all oh, that just puffs up that self. You look some sexy. Oh, that just makes that carnality raise up. 
You're a millionaire. You're a movie star. You're an athlete. You're dumb. You're smart. You're black. You're white. You're gay. Things used to domesticate people, the mind. And then last but not least, religion. If it's in your mind but not your heart, don't mean that it's correct. I'm reminded of a situation. Frederick Douglass, in his first autobiography, made this statement about his slave master, the man that owned him. He said his name was Thomas Ald. He became a Christian at a Methodist camp meeting. And uh, he supposedly had given his heart to Christ. When Douglas found this out about Alt's conversion back in August of 1832, he thought, wow, man, Mr. Douglas and got, um, excuse me, uh, Mr. Alton got converted. And man, he's about to emancipate us. He's about to set us free. If he don't set us free, I know he's going to be more kind and, and humane. But as Douglas writes in his autobiography, instead of Mr. Alt, Thomas Alt getting more humane, he said he got more cruel and hateful. He used his faith as a license to inflict pain and suffering upon his slaves. He would even use the word uh, uh, in a way that seemingly justified what he did. And I'll say it from this perspective, and I'm going to read Frederick Douglass's own words. He said, I have seen him tie up a lame young woman and whip her with a heavy cow skin upon her naked shoulders, causing the warm red blood to drip. And in justification of this bloody deed, he would quote this passage of scripture, he that knoweth his master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with many stripes. Another way that people are domesticated is in the mind. And it's also in religion. If you have it in your mind and not in your heart, those are the kind of things that will transpire. That's why it's listed as a way to domesticate people. Now, let me sum this whole thing up because I know I'm getting kind of long. But the summation of it all is for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. Well, that does it for today. Thanks for listening. Please like us and subscribe to the podcast and join me on next week for a new exciting and provocative podcast. Also, for more information about me, Oscar W. Richardson Jr., or the Common Sense Podcast, visit our website at www.frameworksowr.org. Once again, that's www.frameworksowr.org. Thanks again for listening, and remember, sometimes a little common sense makes good sense. Peace. Peace.